Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again. How have you been these past few days? Yeah, mate, it's been an absolutely fantastic few days of World Cup football, hasn't it, really? Um, I'm absolutely over the moon for, for various reasons, which you'll no doubt sort of get into in the podcast. Um, brilliant, brilliant few days of football, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm as good as can be. I'm glad to hear that. And also last but certainly not least is Jamie Brown. Jamie, I hope all is well. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. And um, yeah, of course, as, as um, you know, Craig said there, um, you know, we've obviously had some some brilliant football, um, obviously England getting through and uh, now everyone's second team in Japan also uh, winning their group. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll discuss that in a bit more detail later on. But yeah, obviously a, a fantastic week of football once again. Yeah, there's plenty of Japan chat to follow towards the end of the show. So keep your ears ready for that. But that's all the intros out of the way. Let's get down to business. And of course, before we start... Wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this week, let us know via the Odds On podcast hashtag, and who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Let's have a quick look back on Tuesday's Group B action, and England in particular. Craig, in terms of performance from the free lines, that was certainly more like it, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought we were really good, to be honest with you, yeah. Um... I thought we were a little slow to start within the first half, but I, I didn't mind that too much just because I think there were a few question marks over uh, what Wales were actually going to do. Were they going to come on an all-out attack us or were they going to sit back and try and beat us on the break? So although I thought we were slightly slow, I thought that was possibly the, the right time to be slow, if that makes sense. I think sort of when you look at football as a whole, what sort of separates the, the average managers from the really good managers is the ability to change things up during a game. And we saw that sort of to perfection, pretty much, from Gareth Southgate on uh, on the game against Wales. We came out after the break, after he'd had a chance to sort of go in and think about what Wales had done. We came with a different mindset. We knew Wales weren't throwing everything at us. And we just completely took control of the game. And it was only a matter of time before we scored, really. Um, we, we took it up a gear. It was really good to see. It was good to see the change in sort of balance of the, of the team and the way that we attacked more. Uh, we fully deserved everything that we got. I think we always knew that if we could get a goal against Wales, given their sort of confidence after what's happened so far at that point in the tournament, they were always going to maybe crumble a little against us. Um, they, they knew that they were going home. So it didn't surprise me that we went on and scored another two. Uh, really rounded things off in style, I thought. Really impressed. Now, Jamie, we'll get to the starting eleven chat a bit later on. But I guess Gareth Southgate has a nice problem on his hands as both Phil Foden and Marcus Rashford took their opportunity with both hands. Yeah, look, I, I think maybe one big caveat for this game is I think that Wales were particularly poor. Um, unfortunately, obviously, their first tournament in, in 64 years, and it, it you know it was kind of very underwhelming for them. I think they were poor against the USA, of course, against uh, Iran as well. We know um, completely dominated them in that match, and uh, England as well. 
just didn't really offer any threat against England. Um, so I think there maybe there is a bit of a caveat for this England performance. They were against a particularly poor Wales side, which is obviously, depending how you look at it, was obviously quite disappointing to see. Um, but look, I, I think the one big thing for this England team, as you mentioned there, it's just kind of those options they've now got. Um, you've got a really fantastic squad here in terms of having in how many options you do have. Um, I think it's, it's great in terms of you can kind of freshen it up as well. Um, I think that that's an important thing. So you've not got players that are fatigued. You know, everyone kind of looked at Bakayo Saka in that first game and thought, well, look, he's, you know, he's nailed on to start now. But look, you've got guys who are kind of really pushing him as well in terms of Phil Foden and, and Rashford as well. And that now you can't really seem to drop them. So it's obviously great. Uh, great competition in the group and that that's pushing others to really kind of step up it makes us unpredictable as well because as I said you would have kind of expected Bakayo Saka to be starting and teams are preparing to face him but then you've got um, you, you, you've got these guys coming in now so that makes us unpredictable I said it, it kind of pushes them as well and I, I think England seem to be at their best when you've got Harry Kane I know a lot of people don't like Harry Kane jogging deep and they want him to be that out-and-out that -out goal scorer but I think that England are at their best when Kane is doing that because you, you feel maybe in this England team one thing that is missing is that kind of real creative spark but we know Kane can do that and um, I, I think Kane is most effective when he's got runners in and around him and guys who can finish and um, you know we've very much seen that with Rashford he's a guy who can finish and kind of make those runs um, that can, Kane can pick him out Foden as well Saka so I, I think that's really exciting that you've got guys who can complement Kane really well so that's all, all very positive but as I said maybe a slight caveat to that game that Wales were particularly poor but um, just in terms of those attacking options it's uh, really really exciting to see now. Now, Craig, in terms of England's outright hopes, their odds are 9-1 to one at the time of recording. That makes them fifth favourites, and by that logic, the World Cup path is blocked off at the quarterfinals. Do you feel that's the right assumption from the bookmakers? Yeah, I think it's quite a fair price for us at the minute, and, and I think the reason for that is the sort of the path that you've mentioned and the fact that pretty much everyone who's, who's looked forward far enough, yeah, and has got a bit of confidence in England to beat Senegal, would see that the chances are we're going to play France in the quarterfinals. I think when you look at sort of the World Cup outright odds, you'll notice that some teams have seen their odds drop a little um, since the start of the tournament because they've impressed in the group stage. And then as they sort of progress, they'll drop a little even further until they slowly work their way down to them being towards the front of the market when they get to the semi-final stage. But I think with England, we're not going to see that. And what we're going to see and what we have seen so far is that England have gone through and they've qualified top of their group, but their odds haven't really changed because regardless of what England have done in their group, the fact is that they've still got a showdown with France coming up in the quarterfinal. Um, I think if England win on Sunday, presuming that it, this is not going to be a massively impressive win, they'll really, really sort of knock it out of the park, I think the odds will probably stay fairly similar, if I'm honest with you, because, again, there's France on the horizon. What we will see is if, and we'll just be sort of positive for 30 seconds, <laughs> if England can beat France, then their odds will tumble dramatically after that win and they will be close to favourites, I would have thought, should they get over France. But just because there's that big sort of stumbling block in the way as such at the minute, um, I, I think that the, the odds have stayed fairly fairly similar throughout the tournament so far for England and will continue to do so, even if they do beat Senegal on Sunday. Yeah, it's very much a case of keeping your powder dry and then if they get past France, 
you're probably going to see 9 to 1 become 4 to 1 very quickly. So there's value there, but it's 9 to 1 for good reason at the moment. Now, Jamie, it's probably too early to discuss the golden boot and who wins that. But what about England's top scorer at the tournament? Because Marcus Rashford is currently 4 to 6 in the market, that being the favourite. Does that sound right to you or are you looking elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a market, maybe not so much great value and obviously quite difficult to call as well, because as I mentioned, those attacking options, you know, there's kind of, you don't know where it's going to come from at the moment. But I think if you were to maybe pick a player from this England team, who is going to score the most? I think I think the odds are kind of right there in terms of Marcus Rashford is the guy to go with. Um, I think maybe people do underestimate how important he can be for England and how good he can be. Um, I, I think obviously we, we've seen over there maybe the last year or so or the last two years obviously it's been pretty difficult for Rashford he's kind of really dropped off in terms of his form I think that's maybe to do with having played so much at such a young age and maybe injuries kind of caught up with him a little bit but I think this year he's really come into form again um, I think for Manchester United I think he's having a good season under Eric Ten Hag I think at the World Cup as well, we're starting to kind of really see the best of Marcus Rashford and, and you know, he just looks really sharp again. So he's coming into form just at the right time for England, which, which is really important. And I just think the way he plays as well, I just think that he can be really one of the top attackers in, in world football, I really think he is that good. Um, so I think it's really important. I mentioned as well with, with, with Harry Kane, I think that, you know, we know with Harry Kane, we've seen at Spurs with his partnership with, with Heung-Min Son, you know, how well he can kind of pick him out. And I, I kind of see Rashford in, in kind of the similar way. And I think that that's really important for England that, you know, you've got Harry Kane creating and dropping deep. And one thing that you've kind of always missed with that with this England team is, is having those players who can kind of go and finish those chances and now it feels as though we've got someone who can allow Kane to drop deep and, and kind of really go and create and then and then you've got the goals with and I just think Marcus Rashford complements Harry Kane very nicely so um, yeah I, I think although you maybe have got that standout goal scorer in Harry Kane I think um, just given the new kind of new role that Kane's adopting I think Rashford's really going to benefit from that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of look at the the names on that team sheet now and who's going to start either side of Harry Kane. I think Rashford is probably your number one pick. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I think in terms of who's going to come out on top in this market, I think it would be Marcus Rashford. But it's it's because just because it's so unpredictable, I mean, maybe it's, it's not such great value just because there's so many great options in this team who can score. So, um, yeah, an interesting one. But I do think Marcus Rashford probably will just about come out on top here. Well, Craig, you can currently get four to nine on England scoring under 13.5 goals at the tournament. They have nine in the bank already. Is that something that you would be backing or can you see another goal flurry from somewhere? I think one of the uh, best things about gambling really is when you look at these types of lines that bookmakers create and you, we're all looking for the line where they've messed up on or, or in our opinion, they've messed up on. Um, I don't think that this is one of those lines. I think this is a line that they've got absolutely perfect. And again, it sort of builds into you um, that your views on this line will be dependent on your views on how England will perform against France, assuming they play France like, like we all think they will. Um, I fancy us to get two or three against Senegal, which would take us up to either 11 or 12. And then when we play against France, I think we'll score against them, regardless of, of sort of what the score is. That takes up to 12 or 13, and you bang on the money on that line then. Obviously, if you think we can beat France and then we play another game, then I think the way that this England team has played so far, our attacking, when we, when we attack and we play with an attacking style, I think we can score against anyone. But also, now we're in the knockout round, 
there may be a time when we do go up against Steam and Gareth Southgate's forced to attack. So I do fancy us pretty much to score against anyone. So if you think we can beat France, then then this line is one where you will be looking at the over because we've got enough games to score enough goals. But um, the under is where I personally would look because I, I don't quite think we'll beat France. But in terms of the line, I think the bookmakers have pretty much got it absolutely spot on, 13 and a half. There'll be many people listening to this who think we'll be just under and many people thinking we'll be just over. Yeah, I'm going to go for the under on that one, I think. Not the greatest price, but as you say, Craig, I think the maths is spot on. So with the France factor as well, I'd be taking the four to nine. But Jamie, going back to Harry Kane, actually, because a new market has opened up, you can back how many goals he will score in the tournament. Zero is five to four. Would you be as bold to back that? Or you can get one at six to four, two at nine to two. There's obviously further options. But what sounds right to you? Yeah, I, I think... Well, firstly, I'm going to say I hope I'm wrong um, because of my way of working with this one. But... Um, I, I think I, I'm gonna. I think I probably would go with zero, I, just because I think England have probably got two more games left. Obviously, you, you hope we will get through this game against Senegal, but I think when we come to play France, I just think it's going to be maybe a step too far for this England team. I think France have maybe surprised me somewhat in terms of how just how good they have been. I think there was obviously after their Euros campaign, they were very underwhelming, and maybe there was kind of a question mark around. You know, is there too many personalities in that dressing room? But they just look really good this year. So I'm kind of anticipating that England will have two more games. And I mentioned earlier, you know, Kane's kind of really adopted a, a new role in this England team in terms of being that kind of creative hub and dropping deep and looking to pick out runners. So, you know, he's not really been getting in too many great goal scoring positions. So, um, yeah, I, I think just because I think England have got maybe two, just two more games left, um, I don't see him scoring against Senegal because I think he'll be playing um, to kind of look into pick out others. So, yeah, I, I probably would go with zero just, just on the fact I think England got two more games left maybe um, and uh, just because of his new role. So, disappointing, especially for the Spurs fan. Obviously, I want to see Harry Kane doing well and scoring lots of goals. But, um, yeah, I, I, I struggle to kind of see where those goals are going to come from. Okay, on that note, we're going to go bet building once again. And it's England versus Senegal on Sunday, so that's where we're going as we look to construct another winner. Craig, once again, I'd like the anytime goal scorer from you, please. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to stick with my rotation of England players so far. So this is the fourth game we've spoke about this, and it's going to be the fourth different player selection for me. So I'm going with Marcus Rashford uh, to be the man to score a goal anytime. I think Gareth Southgate has to start him, given his two-goal performance against Wales. He's a player that relies massively on confidence, I think. And given that the way that he's gone from being someone who would maybe get a few minutes as a sub, but not necessarily be the first choice sub, to being someone who I think we would all agree has to start against Senegal, um, imagine what that's done for his confidence, regardless of the fact that he's actually scored three goals as well. Um, so he's, you know, he's, he's in the golden boot race. Imagine how he's feeling at the minute. I just think it all leads into him having another very good game and hopefully getting on the score sheet. He's 12 to 5 to score any time, which I think is very fair. So, yeah, it's Marcus Rashford for me. Top shout. And Jamie, I'd like the over-under on the goals, please. Yeah, I'm going to go for under 2.5 goals here. I think this will kind of play out as a, a really cagey affair. Um, obviously, being around a 16 game as well. Um, you know, we saw Senegal, they failed to score against the Netherlands. And I, I think that could be the case here against England. I think England do have the capacity to kind of keep them out. Um, I think defensively, I've actually been fairly impressed um, by England. Um, obviously, big question marks over maybe Harry Maguire and and John Stones as a partnership. But look, they, they seem to have stepped up once again for England. So I've been really impressed by England defensively. I do also think Senegal are going to kind of be a difficult team to break down. Obviously, you've got some big household names there with like Sakaludu, Koulibaly, obviously Edouard Mendy in goal. 
Um, so I think they're going to be maybe a, a side where England won't won't score too many goals here. Um, so I think it's going to be a low scoring one, and I'm going to go for under two point five goals. Okay, then I'm going to go with a new market for me in terms of picks. I'm going to go for one player in particular to have a shot on target. That man is Jude Bellingham. I really like the look of the Dortmund midfielder in the tournament thus far. I like the way he has license to roam in the opposition's box, his timing of runs, just his all-round movement in the England shirt. So with this in mind, I think it's going to be good for one shot on target. Doesn't need to hit the back of the net, just needs to sting the keeper's hands. That in itself is evens. And when we add the three combinations together, this is what we've got. Craig has gone for Marcus Rashford to score any time. Jamie's gone for a tight under 2.5 goals affair. And I've gone for Jude Bellingham to have a shot on target. So that means when you put £10 on the betting slip, odds of 18 to 1 are on offer for this bet builder. That's £190 in your back pocket if it gets over the line. I really hope it gets over the line for us. I hope it gets over the line for you. OK, let's have a chat about the game itself now. Craig, in terms of England starting eleven, would you be making any changes from what we saw on Tuesday night? Yeah, so personally, I would be tempted to leave it exactly as it was. I thought we played well enough to be in the realms of if you win well and, and you're doing that good, then why change a side that's that's done that? But the one thing I would say is I think that England could well have some kind of prearranged tournament plan for Kyle Walker as part of his rehab from injury. So Kyle Walker came in and played against Wales for the first time. If there's a game you want Kyle Walker for, then I think it's to be right back up against Kylian Mbappe uh, when we play France next week. Assuming we play France next week, of course. So... If that's the case, and if that's some kind of prearranged plan, then it wouldn't surprise me if we do see one change, which is Kieran Trippier coming back in for Kyle Walker. Uh, but in terms of the rest of it, I'm more than happy with things. I'm not a massive fan of the added protection of Jordan Henderson in midfield, but that move is exactly the kind of thing that Gareth Southgate would do in knockout football. So he's sort of done it a game early as such, um, but I'm expecting that to stay the same. When we come to the attacking line, Bukayo Sacco's done absolutely nothing wrong in this tournament. But I thought we had a really good sort of first 20 minutes of that second half against Wales, where I think our front three of Rashford, Kane and Foden linked together as well as any front three that I've seen so far in the tournament, not just England, anybody. And it was only 20 minutes in the second half, but that was enough to me to sort of think that, yeah, these, these need to go together. And I mean, Marcus Rashford does need to play anyway alongside Harry Kane. But I would give Phil Foden another chance just because of that. Um, I do think that Bukayo Sacco is the ideal player to come on. I think I mentioned this against the Wales in Wales. If you know, 20 minutes to go and you want someone with fresh legs to run at defenders, who better to come on than him? Uh, Jack Grealish has done well from the bench, so I think those two will eventually see minutes. But yeah, I would keep it all the same. But I do get a feeling that England have got a plan maybe around Kyle Walker, and that would mean Kieran Trippier coming back in to keep Walker with the intention of him playing against France next week. Well, I was going to ask the same question to Jamie, actually, in terms of right-back, because it does seem the most competitive berth to mm -hmm. fill at the moment. As Craig says, Kieran Trippier started the first two matches, Carl Walker against Wales. Who would you be yeah. giving the nod against Senegal? Yeah, I, do you know what? I probably would go with Carl Walker. I would go with Carl Walker just because I think he needs the minutes as well. Um, and, and as Craig said, I, you know, I've got my notes as well here. I, I just think you want him to be up against Mbappe. I think just the pace of Carl Walker and just how quick he is, 
you know, I think that you're going to have to really want to combat Mbappe by using that. So um, I, I think it's kind of you want Carl Walker getting back up to speed. He's not played a lot of football. I think he was injured. I think it was um, early October that he, he kind of got that injury and, and hadn't really played a lot of football going into the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, I think it might be a case of where you do play Carl Walker for maybe an hour or so. So he's got that those those minutes in his legs. Um, and then and then maybe you kind of bring on Kieran Trippier. But that's kind of why England obviously is so blessed at the moment in, in having lots of really good right backs. And, you know, you can make that substitution on the hour mark or, or whenever. And you've, you've still got a very solid right back on the pitch. So, yeah, I, I think I'd go with Carl Walker just because I think he needs the minutes and I want him ready for that France game. You know, if we do get through this, this match against Senegal... Um, Maybe the other change I might look to make as well. I think Calvin Phillips is a guy who could come in as well. Obviously, I know he's he's not played a lot of football, but you know he's a guy who who was very important for England at the Euros. Um, I think we saw as well how well three-man midfield worked against Wales. I think we just looked like a team with a lot better control than we, especially than we did against the USA. So that was a, that was a really positive change from from Gareth Southgate to kind of switch up the midfield because I don't I think we just looked so in control against Wales. Yes, I did say at the start of the show. I thought Wales were poor, but. England really controlled that game and uh, I think that that was jammed down to the midfield and, and maybe that changed. So Calvin Phillips for, for maybe a Jordan Henderson might be the other change I look to make. But yeah, as I said, Carl Walker would, would be my pick here just because I want him to, to get minutes ahead of that France game. Now, Craig, in terms of the match itself, you can get 8-15 to 15 for England to win in 90 minutes. Would you be taking such a price or are you cautious of knockout tournament football and the potential need for extra time and penalties? Yeah, I think the point you raise about being a little cautious is, is one that applies to sort of every game from here on in now. You know, there, there is an element of risk involved when you these last 20 minutes and there's teams that don't want to do anything silly and, and may just take extra time and, and will be happy to go to that. So I think if you're betting on any game from now onwards, then there is caution and you do need to think about how the game could potentially set up. Having said that, in terms of this game, I think it's a game that England's going to dominate. I think England's going to have a lot of the ball Senegal will be happy to sit back and let us do that. And I think eventually, somewhere along the line, we've got enough to break down this Senegal back line. When that happens, as is the beauty of knockout football, Senegal have got absolutely no option but to flick the switch and come and attack us. Um, as we've sort of mentioned when we've been going through the starting eleven just then, England have got options. Gareth Southgate's got a, like a good headache in terms of his attacking options. And when we've got a bench full of players who want to try and get back in that starting eleven and they want to come on and impress, they're going to help us quickly counter-attack and, um, and sort of take the game to Senegal. Let's not forget as well, a back line that England have put together that maybe, I don't think we've got genuine concerns, but we've certainly got small concerns about. Uh, they've kept a clean sheet in the last two games now. So they're, they're sort of two clean sheets in a row coming into a, what will hopefully be a third clean sheet in a row. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. There's caution around the sort of the knockout stage and the games that play in there. But in terms of this game, I think England's going to absolutely dominate it and they're going to be fine. So, so I'm not cautious. And if I was back in England, then it certainly would be to win within 90 minutes. Well, Jamie, it does seem to a certain degree that it's no Sadio Mane, no problem for Senegal. Can you see this encounter being an England win and both teams to score at odds of 7-2? 
Yeah, look, this is obviously an interesting one to kind of uh, really pick between. For me, I'm, I think I'm leaning towards uh, maybe an England win to nil, but I think you could certainly put the case for Senegal getting on the score sheet as well. That, you know, as you said, that, you know, I've got to give them big credit for how well they have managed to do without Sadio Mane. Um, I think against uh, Ecuador, they created a lot of chances. I kind of I mentioned on previous episodes as well how good Ecuador are defensively coming into this tournament. I think they've you know, kept six clean sheets in eight. So a side that were going to be very difficult to break down, but they managed to do it. And obviously got, got the two goals. They created lots of chance as well. They had 14 attempts against Ecuador. Um, but I, th- I think it will be a case of where England obviously are going to be a much better side than that. Um, I think having those, you know, maybe that change in midfield, as I mentioned, and, and having more control there defensively I think I've been really impressed by England and you kind of feel as though this back line is is, is starting to become a lot more settled you know you've got Maguire and and Stones kind of as that real partnership who have played together a lot now um, of course you know on both sides as well they're both familiar with with their their fullbacks you've obviously got Carl Walker and um, and John Stones and then you know on the other side as well you've, you've got Luke Shaw and uh, Harry Maguire so um, yeah, I think you're starting to get a, a settled back a back line as well for England, which is a really big positive. So for me, I mentioned I'm leaning to more towards a win to nil here for England. You maybe could put that case, uh, that case for, for Senegal getting on the score sheet, but uh, I think England should just about have enough. Uh, you look at maybe the value or lack of value of uh, a win to nil. It's 11 to 10 for that win to nil. So I probably would steer clear of that. Just as I mentioned, I think Senegal are a side who can create chances, but. Uh, I think England should just about have enough to, to keep them at bay. Now, Craig, there have been 23 World Cup nil-nils at half-time in the first 44 matches. That's more than 50%, just a touch over 50%, but still an incredible high percentage. With that in mind, are you racing towards the nil-nil at half-time in this one? You can get that at 6-4. to four. Yeah, I mean, given the data that you've just, you just sort of told us the, the odds really surprised me and uh, I were expecting it to be much shorter than that I were expecting it to be around even money if, if I'm honest with you so in terms of value yeah I certainly think it's there I don't think Senegal will come out firing on all cylinders against us I think they'll sit back and allow us to have the ball England will in my opinion anyway break Senegal down at some point my gut feeling is it will either come just before or just after half time so in terms of this bet, it, it really is a sort of a 50-50 toss of a coin for me. Um, but the fact that it's 6-4, to four, then then I do think that even if you just look at the data and don't actually look at the two teams who are playing, um, it seems a fair bet. You're getting something that's happened more than 50% of the time and you're getting 6-4 six to, six to on it. So uh, so in terms of the price, it's certainly there. In terms of when I think England will score, like I say, either be just before halftime or just after. So I'm completely split as to uh, if, if this will be a nil-nil or not. But the price will certainly appeal to a lot of people and, and was far bigger than I expected. Now, Jamie, by the same token, this could be a game that lends itself to goals. Would you be bold enough to back over 1.5 in the first half odds of 12-5? to 5? Yeah, do you know what? I probably would go in the opposite direction. I think this might be a low-scoring one. Um, I, I, I say that because I don't think Senegal quite have the firepower to, to really get at England. I think as well, we have seen with England, they do kind of take their time to really settle into matches and, and really start to look good going forwards. Um, and I think they also face a strong Senegalese backline as well. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, you've got the likes of Koulibaly and Mendy. Uh, you've got Diallo as well, of course, of RB Leipzig, who's a very solid uh, centre-back. They've got strong full-backs as well, and, and, and they're obviously going to pack the midfield. 
Um, they've got some strong midfielders in there. So I think they're going to be a side who are going to be tricky to break down. And um, I mentioned England do sometimes take the time to get going. So maybe if you are looking for kind of goals or, or how many goals are going to be scored in, in both the halves, I think in the first half, probably under two, under 0.5, I think it will be a game where both teams struggle to score in, in that first half and, you get, and get under under 0.5 goals at 6-4 to four in the first half. Second half as well, I think that's when maybe the goals will come. Um, and in the second half, you can get over 1.5 goals at 11 to 8. So those probably would be my two picks uh, for this market. But uh, yeah, as I said, I, I think this will be a low scoring one. Now, Craig, in terms of match shots on target, 7.5 is the current over-under benchmark. 10 to 11 for over, 4 to 5 for under. Where do you reckon this market goes? I think I'd be definitely tempted to go with the over here. As I've sort of mentioned, it wouldn't surprise me if England controlled the game. And I think England could have five or six shots themselves, to be honest with you. Uh, the pattern of the game is something that probably most of us agree on with the fact that England's going to control it. But we do think England will score. And when they score, Senegal have got no choice but to attack more. When Senegal attack, we can all have different opinions about what happens. But the fact is that either they're going to be attacking and peppering the England goal or they're going to leave themselves wide open for England counter-attacks at the other end, and England should increase the number of shots that they have. So, yeah, in, in terms of shot, definitely the over for that. I do think that maybe after a slow start, maybe sort of 20 minutes with each team feeling themselves out and finding the way into the game, I think it, it should. England should create more after that, and then when there's a goal, assuming there is a goal, I think the game will really open up and, and both teams will be able to get shots on target. So, yeah, definitely over for me with that one. Now, Jamie, we spoke about Harry Kane earlier in the show and the number of goals he'll score in the tournament. But what about two or more shots on target at odds of 11 to 10? Is that enough to interest you? Or on the evidence of what we've seen thus far, would you be avoiding this market? Yeah, I think I probably would be avoiding this market just because, as mentioned, that kind of that new role that he's really adopted in this team where he's very much seems to be playing as kind of that number 10. His, his kind of his stats have been pretty poor in terms of um, looking to score goals as well. His XG is really low. Um, he's averaging uh, just just over uh, a shot per game, which is obviously quite a surprise to see kind of he's not taking so many shots. He's yet to even register a single shot on target as well across those three matches, which obviously comes as a, a bit of a surprise given kind of his goal scoring exploits. And um, obviously j just behind kind of that, that uh, Wayne Rooney record of most England goals. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a surprise to see. But, you know, as mentioned, just because of that new role that he really seems to have adopted um, as, as maybe more of a creative player, I think that you probably, in terms of shots and, and maybe um, shots on target and shots or whatever you, whatever you want to go for, or goals as well, I think maybe Harry Kane, you probably want to steer clear of these markets at the moment because obviously Harry Kane, as I said, he's, he's kind of seems to have adopted a new role in this England team. Right, before we move on, I'd like a correct score bet from you both. If we focus on England versus Senegal, I'll bring up the rear and get involved once again. With that in mind, Craig, you get first pick. What score have you got in mind? Yeah, I'm going to go for England to replicate what they did against Wales. So I'm going with an England 3-0 victory. Uh, this is available at 10-1. to 1. I think we'll control this game. It may take us a little time to break down the Senegal defence. But what I do think is that the second that we do and we score our first goal, that will really open up this game. Uh, Senegal have got no choice but to attack. And considering the, the debate that we've had around who's going to start in this England attacking front line, what we can all agree on is the fact that whoever plays, we've got a bench of talented attacking players who are going to come on with fresh legs towards the end of this game and they're going to take us forward. And I think we're going to keep a clean sheet like we have done in our last two games. And then at the end, I think we'll nick a couple on the break as Senegal try and get back into it. So, yeah, just like the Wales game, 
I'm going for 3-0 to England, which is 10-1. to OK, top shot there. Jamie, you're up next. What correct score are you hoping for? Yeah, I'm going to go for maybe kind of a more slender England win. I'm going to go for 1-0. Uh, you get that at 9-2, I think. As I mentioned, I, I just think this is going to be a low-scoring one where Senegal are going to make it very difficult for England to break them down. I mentioned they've got some really top defenders there. Um, midfield as well is strong. So, um, yes, I think this is going to be maybe a tricky task for England, but one I do think they will overcome. So, yeah, I'm going to go for 1-0 England at 9-2. Uh, OK, that makes my job quite easy because I'm going to split the difference between the two. So I'm going to go for 2-0 straight down the middle at 11-2. to two. Pretty much just taking both your reasons, really. I feel that it's going to be relatively routine for England. I don't think they're going to smash Senegal, but they don't really need to smash Senegal either, do they? I think just to get the job done, get into the next rounds. Maybe if they do go 2-0 up, they might make wholesale changes with France in mind. So there's, that's a factor in as well. So yeah, I mean, I'll take the win. Win to nil, comfortable at 11-2, to 2-0. So yeah, wins all round. Let's hope that is the case. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's mop up some more round of 16 action as Saturday sees the Netherlands take on the USA. Craig, do you think this is a game that could go to extra time and maybe even penalties, or do you think it will be resolved in 90 minutes? Well, the first thing to say is that I, I worry for the USA and their ability to score goals, and I think that's ultimately what's, what's going to cost them in this tournament. They've scored one goal against Iran and one goal against Wales, and when you look at how England comfortably put nine past both of those two teams, I think it's fair to say that that neither are too strong defensively. Uh, USA couldn't get past the England back line. And the Netherlands one is, is a strong back line. And I think that means that this game's going to end with zero goals for the USA, for them, unfortunately. Uh, the debate around this is whether you think the Netherlands can find a winner somewhere before the end of 90 minutes or whether this is going to go into extra time. I still don't think we've seen the best of the Netherlands yet going forward, even though Cody Gapko has scored now three goals. Um, but I do think they are inching towards the team that we're expecting. I'm going to go with yes, and the Netherlands can get this one done uh, in 90 minutes, only slightly. Uh, so the bet that appeals to me is a Netherlands win with under 2.5 goals, which covers us for both a 1-0 and a 2-0 victory in 90 minutes. Uh, that's available at 11-4. to And like I say, I don't think the US will score. And I do think eventually somewhere the Netherlands will, will nick a winner before we end in extra time. Well, Jamie, Cody Gakpo has certainly been the man of the moment for the Dutch. Three goals in as many World Cup matches. But will the streak come to an end against the US? Would Memphis Depay take your interest in the anytime market instead? Or to 7-4? to four? Do you know what? I think Cody Gakpo is the man to look at again here. Um, I think he just seems to be really clicking in this system under Louis van Gaal. Um, Memphis Depay, you kind of look at him as well. He's not been a player that's played a lot this this season. He's been really struggling with uh, a thigh issue, obviously, up and up until the World Cup. So he's not played a lot of football since September, and maybe you could argue that he he doesn't look he didn't look particularly fit in that game uh, final game against Qatar either. So. Look, I, I don't see any reason why not to go with Gakpo again. I think he just looks like a player who, who obviously is wanting to impress as well. Um, you know, we know with all the big clubs kind of chasing him, Manchester United especially. So he's going to be wanting to really kind of impress from that front as well to kind of earn that move, not just to kind of fire Netherlands through to the next round. And um, look as well, he's you know he's ten to three to score any time, and and just just given the form that he's in, I think that's that looks fairly good at the moment. Right, next up, we're going to go to the second of Saturday's games as Argentina take on Australia. Craig, the Socceroos have scored in each of their three group stage matches. With this in mind, would you be backing Argentina not to keep a clean sheet, odds of 6-4? to four? 
Yeah, I think I would do. Yeah, actually. Um, in terms of this sort of how this game goes, I think Argentina will win the game. But that means that at some point, Australia have sort of got to come out of their shell and they've got to attack for part of it. I think when Australia played France, they, they went into that game. And let, let's remember, they, they took the lead in that game. They got nothing to lose, nothing to fear. They just went all out and just sort of hoped for the best in, in many ways and scored a goal. The next two games are the ones they've taken a slightly more defensive approach on, but they've scored themselves still. They've still managed to score. And then they've sat back and held on to what they've got. This is a game where they're not going to be able to hold on to what they've got because I do think Argentina will win. So I think we'll see more of the style that we saw against France, which ultimately led to defeat. Um, but I think we'll see that from Australia. So they won't win, but but this can score for me. And it, the, there's this bet to have, which is six to four, if you want to do that, or if you want to add a little bit more on, then I think the bet that Jamie's just about to talk about, which I'm not going to spoil for him, um, I think that's an even better shout considering the odds of that one. So I'll, I'll give the floor to Jamie now to talk about his bet. Well, Jamie, the floor is yours because by the same token, you can get an Argentina win and both teams scoring at 11-4. to 4. Do you feel this offers the value that Craig is talking about? Or will Emmy Martinez keep a third clean sheet in a row? Yeah, well, look, certainly an interesting way of thinking about it from Craig. And I, I think I kind of do agree with him in, in, in some sense. But look, I do think it will be a third clean sheet for Emmy Martinez in Argentina. Um, you know, we obviously saw they did look very unprepared in, in, in those first two matches. Um, you know, in the first half against Mexico, I thought they were pretty poor. And of course, you know, we saw the disaster against Saudi Arabia. But look, I, I think against Poland, they did look in much more control. They were very dominant in that game. And um, they kind of maybe look like they are a team who are starting to build up a bit more now. Um, and as much as they have looked unconvincing this far, um, it's now 14 clean sheets in the last 17 matches for Argentina. So they are a side who are very strong defensively. And um, look, as much as I do want to give Australia credit in how well they've done to, to obviously get to this stage, I think they do face an Argentina side who are starting to pick up now, who are just generally very strong defensively. I think a big player for them and a guy who I obviously really like, being a Spurs fan, is Christian Romero. He looked much better against um, uh, Poland. Um, obviously, a guy who's not played a lot of football as well. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of taken his time to get match fit again. So he, he looked much better in that game against Poland. Um, Going to be key. So, yeah, I think this will be a, a win to nil for Argentina. Right, there's plenty of World Cup action still to discuss. We're focusing on three more matches now in the round of 16. First up, we're going to mop up France versus Poland. And Craig, can you see France returning to winning ways on Sunday? Where is the value in this one? Yeah, I think this is a really good opportunity for France to bounce back. Um, I have no issue with, with teams resting players and, and taking that approach in their final group game. But, you know, that did ultimately end in defeat for France. So it has given them something a little bit to think about. And, and I think the one thing that I picked up on is, is maybe their their depth was always going to be questioned at some point because of the amount of injuries that they've got. And they've not really answered the depth question by losing that game. So it's certainly something to think about, especially as, as if things go to plan. They will be England's next opponent after both of them win this weekend. Um, I've been really disappointed with Poland so far in this tournament. They have really disappointed me, I, I, I'm sad to say. So in terms of someone to play, I think France have, have sort of got the ideal scenario that they want here. It's one of those games where I'm, I'm quite struggling to find value because I didn't want to put something up at odds on. And France to nil is my initial thought and how I think this will go. But being five to six, I've had a look elsewhere. So in the end, I've gone with France to win both halves, which is available at seven to four. So my hope is that the French come out early doors and they're sort of rejuvenated from the break that many of their first team has had, get on the board early. And then in the second half, Poland have got no option but to attack to try and get back into the game. 
Uh, France are extremely good going forward. That is their strength, and they'll hit them on the break, uh, not concede, hopefully, and they'll win the second half as well. So, in terms of value, it's France to win both halves at 7-4 to four for me, but the overall game and, and the way that that's going, I think this is a, a should be a comfortable win for France, even though they lost their last game. Uh, Poland have been disappointing for me. Yeah, I certainly agree with that's logic. But Jamie, Olivier Giroud is still looking to break France's goal record for himself. You can currently get odds of 7-5 to five for him to score any time and finally claim it. Do you like the sound of this or are you putting your money on the likes of Kylian Mbappe instead? Yeah, look, of course, in, in terms of a sensible picks, it's, it's Giroud and Mbappe are both that. Um, I think Mbappe would probably be the guy that I'd be leaning towards um, just because I think he stepped up really well for France in, in the group stages. But look, if you, maybe a slightly better value pick um, is, is as Antoine Griezmann. I think he's kind of due a goal soon. Um, I think his performances have, have kind of really gone under the radar at Atletico Madrid this season. He's been playing really well. And, and now with France, I think he was really important in those first two matches. I think that was Australia and Denmark. I thought he was really excellent. And, and as I said, one of France's most important players. So, um, you know, he's also got a strong XG at the tournament as well. Um, you know, he's averaging nearly two shots a game at the moment. So he's obviously having those opportunities. So maybe in terms of a more value pick, um, he, he'd be the guy that I'd be leaning towards. You can get him at 13 to 8 uh, to score any time. But look, I think I think Mbappe and, and Giroud, obviously two very solid picks. Mbappe, just because he's been playing so well and, and stepped up fantastic. I think, it, you know, if, if you really were going for a nailed on goal score, I think uh, Mbappe has to be the pick. OK, let's fast forward to Tuesday now and a local derby of sorts as Morocco plays Spain. Craig, can Morocco be considered as the true dark horse of the tournament? How does 3-1 to one for them to qualify against Spain sound? Is this worth some consideration in your opinion? Yeah, do you know, I've been quite impressed with Morocco, actually. Um, they've, they've proven themselves to be very, very difficult to beat. And sort of hats off to Jamie, who in our World Cup preview show mentioned that he thought Belgium would go out of this stage and Morocco would be the team to to take advantage of that. So, fair play, he's, he's got that absolutely spot on. Um, I know sort of Belgium are out and they're not the team that, that we've seen in the past few years and Croatia's got the argument against them that perhaps they're aging a little. But Morocco have come into this competition and have kept clean sheets against both of those teams. And they only conceded the first goal when they played Canada, a, a team that had got absolutely nothing to lose, throwing everything just to try and get a goal at the tournament. And, and they did. Um, but the circumstances for that game, you can excuse Morocco. You know, it, it wouldn't have been the, the biggest stretch to think that they could have actually uh, ended up keeping clean sheets in all three group games, which would have been remarkable, really. Um, Spain have shown glimpses of brilliance so far. They've shown glimpses, but nothing else. But I think if you look back to the second half when they played Japan on Thursday night, when Spain were behind and they needed to score a goal, I can't really remember that many really good opportunities that they created. And yes, they keep the ball a lot and they pass the ball a lot. I think in many ways, Morocco will be happy for that to happen. And do Spain, it seems strange to sort of mention this against a team that has scored so many goals in the group stage, but do they still have question marks over that real cutting edge and when they desperately need a goal, can they get it? So I wouldn't be surprised if Morocco really frustrated them in this one. I just wonder how Spain are going to break them down. I think three to one is a very fair price for Morocco in this one, just to, just to qualify. The other thing that interests me, and it's sort of leaning on Morocco, frustrating Spain for, for a long time, will be nil-nil after 90 minutes at 13-2. to two. This it just sort of strikes me as a game where maybe Spain will eventually win, but they could well need extra time and possibly even penalties to get past a, a very difficult and very tough-to-beat Morocco team. Yeah, I think that's a great shot, actually, especially with all the nil-nils we've had. I feel that this could be 
quite a cagey affair. Spain have got a point to prove after their Japan defeat, but I'm not sure if they can actually prove that same point. So it's going to be an interesting clash there. But Jamie, Spain have also failed to keep a clean sheet in the last two outings. Would both teams to score odds of six to five be a good starting point for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely an interesting one. I think this is a, you know, it's going to be a dangerous Moroccan side. And I think Spain, they're going to have to be at the very top of their game if they want to get through this one. Um, obviously, uh, I think Morocco, they're a side that play with great intensity and have some top players as well. Uh, I think Spain, you know, they're obviously, you know, a team that do like to play the ball, but they're not going to have that time on the ball. I think Morocco are going to be right on them. And we saw in that final group game against Japan, you know, how they do kind of deal with, with high intensity teams didn't do very well so um yeah i mean morocco they're gonna be right on them so look i think if you're looking at both teams to score i think the one team that i'm worried about maybe letting us down is spain and we you know we we mentioned i think that seven nil win against costa rica i may think maybe flattered them somewhat um and and kind of against japan and, and um and germany we kind of saw what we mentioned in earlier episodes you know they do seem like they are missing goals this this spanish team so um I think as well, you, you look at Morocco, very good defensively, conceded just once, and it was no goal um, in, in their three group stage games. So, do you know what? I'm actually, again, I'm, I'm looking at Morocco here. I think they're very strong defensively. So, you know, I think the both teams to, to score here does come with a bit of a, you know, a bit of a risk attached with it, just because I think Morocco can keep Spain out. I th- they've been so strong defensively in those group stage games. So, that'll be an interesting one. And, and maybe a a value pick here might be Morocco and under 2.5 goals and you get that at, at 9-1. to one. I, I, I just really like the look of Morocco. I think they're really good defensively. I think Spain are going to be a low-scoring side. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a low-scoring one and uh, under 2.5 goals and a Morocco win at 9-1. to one. That's a very interesting shout there, Jamie. Right, we cannot wait any longer. We must speak about Japan. So, Craig, firstly, a huge pat on the back. We may have laughed during our World Cup preview episode, but we're not laughing anymore. Please feel free to gloat for the next minute or so. Yeah, I mean, it were a great performance last night. And uh, not only did Japan qualify, but, but to also to win the group, it's, uh, it, it was crazy. Um, I think it was sort of you know, a completely wild night of football, really. Uh, we were all sort of caught up in the moment and there's changes and the wild three minutes when Spain and Germany were both on the way home. That was just incredible. Probably the the best night of football at the World Cup, but also one of my most memorable nights of football at any time, I think, to be honest with you, just from a sat-on-the-sofa point of view anyway. Um, if we sort of take away the the emotion and, and all of that, let's just look at this Japan game alone. And, and again, it's it's a great managerial performance from Hajime Moriyasu. He's took his team in the dressing room, 1-0 down at half-time against both Spain and Germany, two big names, and in many ways, two teams who... You're playing the plays in front of you, but but they've got that name about them and you're sometimes playing the name and that can get in your head a bit. So the fact that they came out in the second half uh, more intent and to get, get back into the game, you know, and really step things up for the first sort of 10 minutes that second half. But then rather than sitting back and defending the draw as such, the ability to go and get another and then when they're ahead, then sort of sit back and close out a game of football... You know, this is a Japan team who many people have got question marks over there defending. And fair enough, I think they're far better attacking than defending. But Japan have closed out two games with a one-goal lead against Germany and Spain on the world stage at a World Cup. And they've done that after being 1-0 down at half-time as well. You know, this this is a team that's playing well, and this is good football, but it's also great mental strength. It's great managerial 
ability. And it's just brilliant to see a team that's, that's sort of capable of doing that and, and turning things around in such such style that they're not just winning, they're winning from behind. Um, so, so, yeah, I've been absolutely thrilled with Japan. It doesn't surprise me in many ways that they didn't pick up three points against Costa Rica because Japan are at the best when they're playing a team who who have got the ball a lot and Japan can sort of press them high, win the ball, win the ball in good areas and counter-attack very, very quickly and use their speed. So in many ways, they probably had too much of the ball against Costa Rica if, in a roundabout kind of way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so in terms of that, sort of leads into Japan's next opponent, which is Croatia. Next up, Croatia, they've got a team who love the ball. So for me, this is an absolutely ideal matchup for Japan. I think like, Japan could have faced Croatia or Morocco. And I, although Croatia, you would call us the bigger team, I think this has worked out well for Japan. I think this is a, something that's sort of going to work in their favour. We're going to start talking about Croatian ageing legs for however much longer they're in the tournament. Now they're past the group stage. Look at the Japan high press. Look at the non-stop running. Look at the energy that's in their front four. Can Croatia cope with that? And, and I personally think the answer is no. So I think we'll be sat at the next podcast uh, continuing to sort of wax lyrical about Japan. But yeah, that's that's pretty much my minute after a, an absolutely wild week and, and especially wild night on Thursday night when, uh, when Japan won the group. Well, we'll get to Monday's clash in a moment. Let's just quickly chat to Jamie about that same drama of unfolding and all of that. So everyone felt it was done and dusted when Spain went one nil up. More importantly, yeah. did you think the ball went out of play for Japan second? Yes, yeah, obviously a really interesting debate whether it went out. And uh, I, do you know what? I'm actually what someone that, that is totally convinced that it was still over the over the line, and um, you know it, it didn't wasn't fully out. Um, I think if you kind of you, you look at some pictures, you can see the ball is clearly overhanging over part of the line. It's literally millimeters, and it's obviously you know incredible kind of uh, fractions that that Japan have gone through it, uh, you know, or won the group via. Um, but yeah, it was just an unbelievable night of football, you know, to see Costa Rica as well taking the lead against Germany and, you know, both Spain and, and, and Germany looking like they were exiting the competition at one point was was amazing. But yeah, I mean, it's just been really exciting to watch this Japanese team and, you know, obviously credit to Craig for, for really tipping them to, to be this side. But, it, you know, thoroughly deserved to go through. I mean, just the way they... Uh, yeah, I think Craig was spot on in terms of they defended so well when they needed to, um, you know, bodies on the line. But it was also kind of that ambition as well to go forward and, and get these winners as well. Um, you know, I think against that in, in that Spain game, I really did think it was over at 1-0 and it was obviously a real, sh- I thought it was going to be a real shame to kind of see him go out. But it was just unbelievable to see him go again, get the equaliser and then go and get the winner as well. So, yeah, been a really exciting team to watch. A, a team that does play great football as well, and and they've been rewarded by it. So um, yeah, always really nice to see it. You know, a team that that certainly obviously against the odds anyway, but to to, to kind of really keep going and show that um, ambition to go and get the winner is, is is obviously really nice to see them rewarded. Okay, let's focus on Monday now because Craig, Japan are three to one for your second team to win on Monday. Are you reinvesting some of your winnings on another win against European opposition? Yeah, I've got to really, haven't I? <laughs> it's not not really a question that I've got to, but, but as I've already explained, I do think this is a really, really good matchup for Japan. Uh, three to one to win in ninety minutes, six to four to qualify by any method. If if you don't think they can quite get it done in ninety minutes, so I think they will. Um, Croatia, that as we sort of mentioned, that the theme is how tired are they going to get and how how are their aging legs going to cope as as we go through this tournament? That'd be a question against any side, but when you put them up against this Japan team and how Japan play. 
and Japan will allow Croatia to have the ball, no problem. But how can Croatia react in those moments when Japan do win the ball back on the halfway line and all of a sudden they've got a four-man attack going forward? How can Croatia deal with that and cope with that? And, so, you know, I, I'm biased. <laughs> it's an ever-increasing bias that I've got now. And um, But I genuinely do think this is a great opportunity for Japan. I think it's a great matchup for, for all the reasons I've mentioned over the past sort of five minutes that we've been talking about Japan. This is their a genuine chance for them to get through to the quarterfinals. And looking at the betting, again, as I've sort of mentioned, to me, they're overpriced once more by the bookmakers. Uh, three to one to win in 90 minutes, I think it's a, a very, very fair price. And, and six to four just to go through, you know, it. how are Croatia going to cope with extra time if they've got to play extra time? Then? Whereas Japan, one of the things that I, I probably didn't mention when I had a couple of minutes about Japan is, their substitutions seem to work very well. You know, that they're a team that make very good substitutions. So they can bring fresh legs onto the pitch. And if it does go to extra time, you know, do Croatia take off Luka Modric or do they expect him to still try and run that midfield against fresh Japan legs? I don't know is the answer. But um, yeah, Japan 3-1, to one, I think it's a magnificent prize. 6-4, to four, any method to qualify is, is a very, very fair shout as well. I will be reinvesting some of that money and I will be cheering them on again. I've not got my Japan shirt on today because I do need to watch it because I wore it that much. But it'll definitely be back out on Monday. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and uh, I do genuinely believe that they've got a, a very good chance of winning this. Now, Jamie, could this be a game that goes to extra time? You can get 6-1 to one for the game to be resolved after 30 additional minutes. Do you think that would be the case or will it be done beforehand? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, after after Craig kind of telling us why we're going to do so well, I, I think I was really kind of on the on the hype train with, with Japan. But look, I, I do think they can go through in this one. I think this maybe could be almost the perfect match for them. I think the big thing is they are playing this ageing Croatian side. And when they play with so much energy, I think that's where they could kind of take advantage of them. And do you know what I mentioned in terms of Morocco and, and maybe obviously there being an upset there and, and maybe a value pick there in that game? I think the same could be could be said for this one. And, that, and that's where I'm going to go for a, another value pick here. I think this could be a contest that does go that that kind of go the distance. Um, one thing with Croatia, I haven't been particularly impressed by their attack. So that, that could be an interesting factor. Defensively, I think they have been strong, though. I think Josko Gavardiol, obviously, kind of that stalwart at the back for them, 21 years old, a guy who's really been impressed in RB Leipzig. And, and, you know, we know he's been chased by Chelsea. So defensively, they've been really strong. And I think Japan are going to have a tougher time breaking Croatia down. Um, but look, I think given maybe Croatia's limitations in attack, because I think they have been quite poor, I, just kind of a bit underwhelmed by Croatia in, in that group stage. Um, I can kind of see this game maybe, you know, both teams really struggling to score and it does go the distance. And, um, you know, we mentioned about this ageing Croatian side, you know, can they deal with extra time and, and maybe do Japan have the legs to kind of last and, and win in extra time? So, yeah, so actually, I think for this one, I, th- I think Japan 16 to 1 to go to win in extra time. And I just say with that, you know, maybe this ageing Croatian side, um, given the energy that this J- Japanese team kind of shown, um, I, I, I really think this game can last the distance and, and Japan can win in extra time. I think this m- might be a really interesting market to kind of look at. So, yeah, I think especially at 16 to 1, uh, Craig is, is totally right. They do seem like they, they have been kind of maybe unfairly priced here. 16 to 1 looks like an excellent pick. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's my big shout here. 16 to 1 for Jap- Japan to win in extra time. Okay, then finally, Japan are 50 to 1 
to win outright. So both of you, would you be tempted to back them to go all the way? Craig, you first. Yeah, I mean, um, I, feel, I feel a bit bad to do this, but I'm just going to jump off the hype train oh. for a minute. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't be saying this. and um, But I think Japan will eventually fall short somewhere along the way. Uh, they, they will, whoever it is that they, they sort of come against, at some point, I think they will fall short. In terms of sort of a, a betting pick, they've, they've done their job already. They, they've done the job for us. And I think sort of in terms of tournament expectations, then they've at least matched what they would they would have hoped to have got out of this group. But seeing that as, as being their main challenge. So in many ways, they've nothing to lose. And, and I think that does sort of make them dangerous, given the style of play that we, we will not get back into, but we've sort of covered for the past five minutes. In terms of them, I'm, I'm just going to take them one step at a time. <laughs> and I'll happily leave the 50 to one for now. But I do think the reaching the quarterfinals is, is a definite possibility for them. After that, I'll just happily ride, wear my Japan shirt. And, and if they happen to win the World Cup, I've missed out on the 50s, but I've had plenty of others along the way. Jamie, can I tempt you 50 to one? Or are you stepping off the bandwagon as well? Um, yeah, unfortunately, I probably will be stepping off the bandwagon as well. Um, I, I, I think if you maybe just look at who they can get in, in, in the latter stages, I think the quarter, quarterfinals is definitely a possibility. But look, I think now, um, I think I'm kind of reassessing which is the tougher side of the draw, actually. Um, and actually, I, I was kind of looking at the South Americans, the likes of Brazil and Argentina, obviously on the other side from England. Um, but look, I think the, the Europeans have been really strong. You've got France. Um, uh, as well, Portugal, who I think can do really well, England as well, another side, and and they probably will come up against one of them in a quarters or a semis. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think the quarters is probably where they will just about uh, kind of get uh, exit the competition. But uh, look, it's obviously been fantastic to watch them so far, um, brilliant to watch them beat the likes of Spain and Germany as well. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, um, I do think they will exit maybe at the quarterfinals. Okay, it's time for our final bit of business now. It's the odds on threefold. We all pick a leg each, combine it into an acker. We try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another winner over the line. Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, I'm going to kick us off with France to win to nil against Poland in their last 16 game. Um, France did rest players in their final game, but I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. I think this game offers them the perfect opportunity to bounce back against a Poland team that have really, really disappointed me in this tournament. Um, they've just not shown the kind of level of attacking intent and attacking quality that I thought they would. They, they struggled, and I think France are more than capable of keeping a clean sheet, not against everyone, but certainly against Poland. Uh, France should have far too much in attack and get on the board. So it's France to win to nil against a very disappointing Poland side for me. And Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I mean, look, Senegal, they've done fantastically well to kind of get through the group stages without Mane. But look, I think England should be a step too far for them. So I'm going to go for the three Lions to win in 90 minutes. And you get that at 8 to 15. OK, I'm going to go for the Netherlands to beat the USA in 90 minutes at odds of 10 to 11. The Dutch have been solid rather than spectacular. Cody Gakpo has been the man of the moment. I feel they've just got that little bit more. We went through the reasons as to why the USA might struggle in front of goal. They haven't really been exciting in attack. They've obviously sort of sparred with England and Wales and, you know, beat Iran. But their overall package hasn't been fantastic. So it's probably going to be both teams to score with that being said. But I still feel the Netherlands are going to get the job done in regulation time. And that means we've hit full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. With the World Cup being as fast paced as it is, our next episode is on Wednesday as we focus on the quarterfinals.
And as mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you in the next episode. Although I will warn you now, quick pre-warn, if the next few days are as exciting as the last few days, I may not make it. <laughs> I hope you do though, Craig. I hope you do. And Jamie, yeah. thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. And that look, hopefully we've obviously got our, our two teams here on, on the Odds On podcast or into the next round as well. England and Japan. Let's, let's hope those guys do well. And uh, yeah, thanks, Dan. All good. Cheers, mate. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>